Again, I asked Justice to stay up here for a moment. I just kind of want to stay. I know that transition video was like hip hop and expected to dance or something. I just want to stay in his presence for just a moment. Are you okay with that? I'm just going to have her play over us for a moment. If you want to just close your eyes, I just want to set the stage today. Worship team already did an excellent job of that, of just inviting his presence into this place. Do you just, you love his presence? This is a special place when God is in the room, not when it's created by man or controlled by man or our agenda, but when we let him move. I could have kept going, honestly. I think it was a little short because I think God wants to speak to you in a different way this morning. And I may stretch you a bit, but just bear with me. So I just want to sit in his presence. We thank him of his goodness. We thank him of his mercy this morning. God, you're so good. You're so good that you reach to the deepest parts of our soul and you want to meet us today. This isn't a ritual thing for us. This isn't just something we do every week. This has to be overflow of your presence. This is of a deep love and conviction, Father, that we love you, we adore you, we worship you, not because of the things you do in this place, God, but just because we love you. And as Rochelle spoke over the room and she sang over the room, we sing for the loved ones that are lost this morning. No one is far too gone for Jesus. No one is far too gone for him, for the father who is chasing after those who are lost. They may have seen him before, but they will come back again. They will come back again. going to be moments today where I'm just going to pause and it may be awkward for you but we okay with that? I'm going to let the Lord speak scripture says be still and know that I am God and we can run past him so easily it's so easy to just get excited about what he does and forget who he is We get excited about what he does and we forget who he is. That he's a man. He's a loving father. He's the bridegroom king. And he longs to be with you. And he longs for you to know him. Not to just be with him, but to know him. Because you can't know someone unless you sit down and talk with them, right? We can't just know someone if, from afar and know who they are. And we often do this thing where we say we know somebody, right? We get in a room, we talk to people, and it's like we want to build ourselves up in the conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that person. He's my best friend. and We knew each other. When in reality, you just had like one conversation with the person. Right? Anyone guilty of that? I've been guilty of that, but I know people who do that a lot. Name drop, right? We do this a lot with God. We do this a lot. We say, Lord, come reveal your glory in this room, but we don't want to pay the cost. 
And I'm telling you this morning, there is a cost. There is a cost to ask him to reveal his glory. Luckily, it is pretty simple. It's literally everything. There's no formula. It's just everything. Sometimes it's hard to see the cost when we live in a place of freedom. You know, we're not, we're not being persecuted for what we do here. You get to come into this place and sit in the seat that you normally do, and you get to sing praises to Jesus with a bunch of people that are singing praises to Jesus at the same time. No one's telling you to stop. And yes, we do have pain and sufferings, no doubt about that but there is a cost and it's everything. John 4, 21 through 24, before I kind of introduce this, we're gonna be sitting in this chapter today quite a bit, but I wanna start us off with this word. Verse 21, it says, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning with hearts full of worship. Lord, let your words come through straight through my mouth this morning. Would it not be of my flesh, but of you only, Jesus? Speak to this house. Speak to your people. There's no agenda this morning, Father. Let your spirit reign in this place. We worship you with all that we are. Jesus' name, amen. Amen? All right, so today we are starting a new series for the summer. We're gonna jump out of Philippians for a bit and then we'll come back to it, but we love these summer series. We do something different every year and and this year it is what if Jesus were serious? And what we'll be doing is just taking several topics and um through the Gospels and talking about uh, what if Jesus were serious about those topics. And naturally, they chose me to speak on worship. That's when I get to speak. So we are gonna, like I said, John chapter four, we're gonna hang out there for a bit because it's going over a common story that we all know, the woman at the well. So if you have your Bible, if you turn there again, or it'll be on the screen for you, we're gonna start John chapter four, verse seven. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift of God, 
has for you. And who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than, the, and, than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give you will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. And Jesus said, I'll give you living water. So in other words, when he's talking about living water, it's personal, it's alive. Drinking the living water is relational. And that's what we wanna get at here today. It's consistency, it's communion. It isn't a transaction, it's, it's a promise. And if we choose to be in communion with him, he promises that he'll always be there waiting. You'll notice that she didn't have to do anything. She didn't have to perform. She only had to say yes to the gift. And in verse 10, he says, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who it was that gives the gift, do you know the giver of the gift? Do you know him? So all you have to do is say yes. Because knowing him, it's not just knowing of him, it's actually loving him, being with him. He's looking for friendship in this hour. He's looking for a bride. I remember, I remember when I first met Jen, I remember the first time her and I had a conversation like an extended conversation. We talked through the whole night. And I remember leaving and just thinking, gosh, when can I talk to her again? <laughs> like, when's the right time to do it? I don't want to talk to her too soon. But like, this is crazy. I just want to talk to her. And anyone who's been touched by the Lord in the room will know this. When you have been touched and you've had an encounter with the Lord, he ruins you for everyone, everything else. Everything else just becomes less than. It just doesn't seem right. And when we wonder why our lives didn't turn out the way they did, when we wonder why God's not doing the things that we promised, wonder why we lost this job or we're not living in the place that we thought things are going wrong. It's because the moment we become more excited about the things he can do through us instead of what he means to us, your lamp has gone dim. The light is going out. And he's looking for full lamps. Psalm 27, four says, he's the one thing I crave from Yahweh 
Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. The one thing I seek above all else, I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. I want to live every moment. Every moment with him. So why is Jesus saying there will come a time when true worshipers will worship. Because when Jesus sacrificed himself and rose again, he gave a new covenant, one that says, I now live in you. You don't have to strive. You don't have to perform. You don't have to have your checklist of devotions and set all the time. All those things are important. But really, all you have to do is say yes. You just have to show up. And he promises to be there. Ask, and I will give you living water. Not do. Ask. The doing comes after the asking. We try to teach this to our kids. You know, as Jen and I, we have a million kids. We've all seen them running around. We only have four, but it seems like it's a lot. We get, we get laughed at a lot. You know, we go into a store, it looks like we're a circus now. We, I have a big car, but I still got to open the trunk to get my son out, you know? So it's like, <laughs> trunk opens up, son's plopping out, the other kid's screaming, you know? It's just like this constant journey. We get looked at a lot. But my wife is such an incredible mother. Um, love her to death, and she just... The way that we communicate to each other and we talk about how we want to raise our kids, the one thing that we wanted to teach them is to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit, to be able to speak to God and listen, have ears to listen. And so the thing that we taught them, this is, this is the series of what we taught them, is the importance of pausing, asking, listening, and doing. So what do I mean by this? In any situation in life, even if it's something as simple as a lost toy or, um, you know, even as my son Beckham has gotten older and he's dealing with emotions, he's dealing with anxiety, he's dealing with things like that, um, we tell them to pause and then we tell them to ask the Holy Spirit a question. Why, like, why am I feeling anxious, for example? Give me ears to hear it. And then they be quiet and they listen. And then when they feel like they understand what they receive, sometimes we have them draw it out if they don't have words for it. But oftentimes, they will hear something. And then they do what is being asked. Sometimes that means surrendering a feeling. Other times it means acting on an assignment that you've been given. And our kids do that. So I have an example of this. My son's been playing soccer and we had this big soccer tournament and it ended and all the lights shut off and it was completely dark and it was our family loading in the car and there was one man and he was walking and pacing the field and looking for something with his flashlight. And so I went out to help him and I went to talk to him. He said, oh, my wife dropped her keys. I think it's just one key and it's out in this field somewhere and I cannot find it. And he's stressing out and they're freaking out. And so we look to our kids and Jen just says, 
Kids, start praying, where's the key? Ask the Lord for where the key is. Something as simple as that. And they all put their heads down and prayed. My, not my youngest son now, but youngest who can actually do this exercise, lifts his head up and Jen says, Wellen, he's three years old. He says, what did you hear from the Lord? And he said, oh, mom, it's right there. Sure enough, the guy looks down, picks up his foot, and there's the key right at his feet. No joke. God doesn't necessarily care about your keys. He just wants you to ask. He just, it's simple. He just wants you to commune with him. He wants you to invite him in. I'm telling you, your kids will teach you a lot. I think they teach me more than I teach them sometimes. When you start introducing them to the Lord, just that childlike faith, the things that God reveals to your children through dreams, through conversation, through everyday life, it's, it's incredible. John 15, five says this, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. And that word remain means to abide. This is communion, a partnership, a covenant with a living God. And he doesn't want you to do more things to get to him. He just wants to be with you. He really does. All of that fruit, the work, the actions should all flow out of intimacy with Jesus. That is the key. Jesus reveals this powerful secret about prayer in Matthew 6. When he says, but when you pray, go into your private room close the door and pray to the father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them praying as they do for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And notice that Jesus says this first, pray to your father who is in secret. That's where he is. And then he teaches them how. He says, pray like this, but first find where your father is. This is where he is. He's waiting for you. He's showing us where to pray and then teaches us how to pray because he's more in love with you than he is your work. We must learn to adore his presence. We have to crave it. It has to be a first love thing again. You cannot hop off of that altar. My sister just got married in Hawaii. I got to go out to Hawaii and it was amazing. Got to be with them. And it's like this exotic background that you just cannot like, I mean, I just like, I don't know how you can, you, you don't even need to buy flowers for a wedding. It's just, everything is there. 
And we're sitting outside and there's this beautiful altar and there's this mountainscape behind it and all these flowers. And I'm just thinking of this first love with Jesus. When someone comes to the altar and they get married, they have this moment and then they go through their life and they wonder why like things aren't working out and things are, you know, because the key is never to leave the altar. You don't ever leave the altar. The same with God. So how do we learn this? Simply, it's inviting him into your every day. When I wake up in the morning, there's something I've tried to do consistently here in the past year is I get, I found myself in this rut where I'd wake up and I'd just be on my phone right away, instantly. Off the charger, I'm checking news, I'm checking my email, I'm checking all this stuff, what I need to do for the day, instantly. When I go to bed at night, on my phone, just like you're laying in bed and you're just sitting there staring at it. Sometimes you fall asleep with it on your face, right? Like, come on. I've learned to just put the phone down and to say one simple thing. When I wake up in the morning, I say, God, I, I, I see you. You're with me. What do you want to speak today? What do you want to speak today? Because I'm telling you this morning, God is everything, but man, as a loving father, he just wants to be that dad that on Saturday morning, you wake up and you smell pancakes and bacon. No one's up yet. And you wake up and you go in there and he's got the whole day planned. He's got it all mapped out, catered just to you. And you walk in there fresh smell of breakfast and a smile on his face. And he says, you ready for today? He wants to be that for you every day. The hard stuff, the good stuff. He just wants to be invited into it and he wants to walk you through because as it says in scripture, he already knows. Why seek other things if he already knows? He knows the thought before it comes in your head. So if you're stressed about it, he already knows you're gonna be stressed about it. He just wants you to ask. He wants you to invite him. The simplicity of just acknowledging him and that he's with you is enough for him. And the more you listen to him, the more he's gonna teach you how to communicate back. I think that that's something growing up that I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, listen to the Lord, but I don't really know how to talk back to him, (laughs) you know? Like, what do I ask? Do I have to have eloquent speech? No, just sometimes you just gotta be quiet and he will teach you. He teach you to hear his voice and he teach you how to talk back because it's different for everyone. And the moment we acknowledge to step into that place, he promises that he's there, right there. I think we get this perception that we've got to be, you know, we talk about the secret place. We talk about, I've got to set aside time to just be shut in my room, no one around me, worship music on, Bible out. Those moments are really important. But he also says, the moment you say my name, 
and say, I acknowledge you that you are here, you are immediately just thrown into his presence. Whether you think it or not, you're immediately there. He's there. That comfort of being in that place will develop over time as you begin to do this. So ultimately, when we talk about this, getting to this place, it's going to be about your heart. It's going to be about the purity of the heart because remember, whatever the heart loves, your mind is gonna follow. Head to the heart. Purify my heart, Lord. Let my heart be pure and devoted to you. All other things that distract me from your presence, Be rid of those fathers so I could see your face. I could hear your voice. Sometimes we just have to say, I'm here, Lord, and your servant is listening. Is listening. Jeremy Riddle says this, a worship pastor that I love. Um, he says, talented musicians and singers can create an atmosphere of worship, but when godly character and consistent devotion is absent, eventually that atmosphere will be tainted with impurity. There is no amount of hype that can be created that can match the worshiper whose heart is pure in their desire to worship. Meaning without consistent devotion in his presence, your worship will begin to look like you and not for God. That's just truth. If this is not the overflow, it's your worship's gonna be acting and looking like yourself in your insecurities. It's not gonna be him. Because you are wired to worship. If you've noticed, I've not really said much about the stage today because it ain't, it's not this, it's not that. You were wired to worship. God created you to worship. You worship all the time. All the time you're worshiping because it's what your heart desires. What your heart is after, that is what you worship. Good way to find that out. When you are stressed and you are overwhelmed, what is the first thing you think about? What is the first thing you turn to? 100%, that's something that you need to work on. You need to surrender. I'm not talking about sin here. I'm not just talking about straight out sin. A lot of these things are good and can be of the Lord. But if it takes higher priority than being with him and hearing him, you're out of alignment. Your lamp is going dim. The reason why this is, is Satan also knows that you are a worshiper. Oh, does he know? Because that's the only thing he can do is deceive. So he will deceive your worship. And he will use spiritual things to deceive it because... 
He's the angel of light. He's disguised as the angel of light. So even in settings like this, he can deceive you. There's always gonna be a constant war for the affection of your heart and the enemy will do whatever it takes to change how you worship. That's why God is looking for full lamps. That's why he's looking for people who are willing to be at his feet because an encounter, encounter that you have in moments like this, an altar call, it's only a spark, guys. That's only a spark. That is not going to sustain you. You cannot go from encounter to encounter and feel like you're gonna be in the presence of the Lord all the time. Encounters are amazing, but they're just a spark. It will go out quickly. Someone once said, this setting, these gatherings, is the 5% of your life. 5% of your encounters with Christ. There's a whole 95. There's a heck of a lot of people that just only worship him here. It's a vital piece. All of this is so important, but man, imagine if it was the overflow Doesn't 5% sound more like the overflow? Just imagine if this whole room was worshiping out of the overflow of their relationship with Christ in the week. Man. And I, I feel like the Lord is wanting to speak on this a little bit. I didn't have this written down, but I think the common thing is like, I'm not wired that way. I just don't. I don't worship, and I'm not just talking about music or any of that. I'm just saying I'm not wired that way. I'm not emotional. I don't connect with God that way. I think that the Enneagram and things like that are great, but I do not think that that number that you've been given is your number for life, that that is all you are. I think it more shows the things and the areas that God wants to grow you in around you. You may be more wired in one direction. You may not be, you don't have to be passionate and energetic and jumping around and I'm not that. But I tell you what, if you love something, you will change. I've seen a heck of a lot of people that aren't emotional, that they are so passionate about their sports team that they scream and say things that I'm like, whoa, I've never seen that person freak out like that. I'm telling you, work, it could be anything. You have passion inside of you. And it doesn't need to be forced. We can't create cookie cutter worshipers in this place. I can't give you a formula of how you connect with God and worship. I can't. I can't tell you. I could tell you what raising your hands does. I can tell you what being on your knees does and how it's related in scripture, but I can't force you to do that. I can't force you to sit in here past 30 minutes without like pulling your hair out. I can't force you to do that. If you struggle with that, that is a direct correlation of your relationship and your devotion to Christ. It just is. And it's blunt, but it's real.
It's hard stuff to realize, but if you don't love God like you love other things, if you put things before him, this is going to be uncomfortable. This conversation will be uncomfortable for you. And you can come up with every excuse you want, but I know that if you love something enough, if you love someone enough, you will do anything for them. Anything. I would do anything for my children. I would do anything for my wife. And even if it caused me to be crazy and wild like I'm not all the time. There's this show, Survivors. Anybody watch Survivor? I got hooked on it from my wife. It's one of those stupid shows you just end up binge watching all the seasons that have been there. But they do this thing in the show where every year when a contestant applies, they can, they can train to go on the show. So they can train to do all these things so that they're ready and prepared. And the one thing that they mostly prepare for is fire making. Because at the end of the season, there's two contestants that will have to compete in making fire. And whoever wins that will be in the top three for the finale. But making fire is like this glorified thing. It's not everybody can do it well. And so each person, when they go to do fire making, is given a flint, they're given tinder, and they're giving small pieces of wood to build up this fire as high as they can. And to build it up as high as they can until it burns a rope at the top. And the first to do that wins. But most of the time, it's not about how fast you can build the fire. It's about how well you can sustain it. It's about as fast as you can get the spark. But then it's not, you have to meticulously get it built up to build up high instead of wide. Fire refines. It purifies. And it takes small pieces of tinder and small pieces of wood to sustain it. So in order to become the worshipers that the Lord is after, we must first be purified and refined. And pure, purity is a beautiful word, but I'm telling you, it's hard. The refining is the cost. We talked about the cost. The refinement of your heart, the purifying of your heart is the cost. It's not going to be easy because it costs you everything. And I believe that God is calling upon pure worshipers in this hour. It's a new agenda for him. Long gone are the days of how we did church. Whatever perception you had of when you walk through this door, it has to look different. If you want to see the glory and the fullness of who God is, you have to be at his feet. You have to purify your heart. It can't be about performance. You can serve at every event that we put out here. You can be a part of every team in this church. You can be at every service. You can be in the front row dancing your heart out. But if you are not bowed before his feet every day, that will not sustain you. You will burn out. 
You have to be purified. It has to be relational. You have to love him. You have to be obsessed with his presence. And it's scary sometimes. It's hard. It feels weird. Because that is your spirit and your flesh. It's the battle. It's the war every day. It's supposed to be uncomfortable because it's that important. If it was easy, it's not supposed to be easy. I'm sorry, it's not. I've been called to leading worship since I was 13. And I love to be in his presence, but I didn't know how to get to it. I didn't always know how. He touched me at a young age and he said, this is Ellie, this is what I want you to do. And I never turned back from it. But I didn't know. I didn't know what that looked like. I'm telling you, the only thing that makes sense is when I've been with him. I've encountered him when I've just sat with him and I just listen. And I think as a church, we've kind of taught this out of order. The church as a whole, just all growing up. Sometimes we say the more you serve and the more you give, the more things you sign up for, your heart will then be stirred and you'll be passionate for the Lord. Like you change your life around and be with the Lord. It's the more you know him and fall in love with him that all of that flows out of it. And I'm telling you, when it, when it is the overflow of your heart, it'll sustain you. You'll want to do it more because you see Jesus everywhere. And then you start seeing, man, that I served here. Look at what Jesus did there. Look at how he touched that person. I would have never saw that before because I didn't know how he talked. I didn't know how he moved. Cost of purity is the refining. We must first deny our flesh and become obsessed with his presence. Just ask him. He's looking for full lamps and I cannot give you my lamp. I can't give you my history with Jesus. I can be a spark, but it's up to you to sustain that flame. Are you willing to fill your lamp? Or are you going to keep going from encounter to encounter? Are you going to keep just doing the regular thing where you come in here and you just sing songs to God because that's what you've told, you've been told you always had to do? And you wait for a preacher with eloquent speaking, unlike myself, that's just going to stir your heart. Oh, there's my flame for the week. No.
Jesus. I want to be willing to know you and to love you without motive. I don't want to have a motive in your presence. We know that you can heal. We know that you can restore lives. We believe in revival. We believe in your glory that you can bring it in this house. But God, we don't come here because of that. We come here because we love you. Because we adore you. Because you give good gifts to your children who sit at your feet. I'm asking you to just sit at his feet. Stop performing. Stop striving. Be at the feet of Jesus. Purify your heart. Let him purify you. Let's declare this again. Verse 23, John chapter 4. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. It's here in this moment. He's doing it again. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship Him in your spirit and in truth. What is the truth? It's the Word of God. Live in his spirit daily and read his word. That and that alone will purify your heart. We must repent. We must deny to our flesh. You must crucify it. Crucify those desires. You have to lay it completely down. Surrender to him. Because to worship him is to know him to know his word. So this morning, we're just going to spend some time, ask Jess just to play for a bit. Just a few moments. I'm not going to do a traditional altar call here because I don't want this to be another encounter. This has to be personal for you. I just feel this from the Lord, but I want you to begin to posture yourself in the room. I'm just gonna stay up here. We're gonna worship. And if you feel this wrestle and this tugging in your heart, you're saying, God, I, I have things in my life that I place before you. I, can, I cannot get in your presence every day. I'm distracted. I struggle sitting in this space for 30, 45 minutes worshiping the Lord. That, that just, I can't do this. Begin to lay that down before him. Just ask, what does it look like for me? Not for someone else of what it looks like. Get all that out of your head. Just ask the Lord, what does this look like for me? Show me your presence. Show me who you are. So in this place, if you feel that, I want you to kneel at your chair. I want you to get on your knees at your seat. It could be in the aisles or at your seat, but it has to be personal for you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want you to spend time in worship. And if you feel that tug, I want you to kneel at your feet and I want you to just begin to worship him. And in the room, if you don't, not going to kneel to your feet, I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to worship and I want you to ask God to come in.
Ask him to speak to you.